Welcome to the Non-Negotiable Success Show. I'm your host, Nina, a New York City lawyer and former lobbyist who left my career in New York to discover my own definition of success. To me, that looked like time freedom, location freedom, and financial freedom. So I started a contract template shop online for entrepreneurs, started earning passive income, and took my life on the road traveling the world. Today, I help online entrepreneurs learn the legal side of business, like how to negotiate contracts, how to network and how to protect your brand, but I also help busy business owners with tips and tricks I've learned along the way from marketing and sales online, which has earned me four times more in passive income than I've ever earned at a New York City firm. Tune in each week for trainings and talks about living life on your own terms to make your success non-negotiable. Let's get into today's conversation. Hey, and welcome back to the Non-Negotiable Success Show. I'm really excited because I just ordered a little mini microphone for my phone, which if you've been listening to this podcast, you know I record this on my phone. I used to record it with my computer on GarageBand and do the whole thing with the editing, but honestly, it was such a barrier to entry. So now I just use my headphones and my voice notes app And then I upload the file to Spotify for podcasters and it's just so much easier. So basically, I am all about working smarter, not harder. And um, I'm not sure, no one's ever complained about the sound quality, but I know it's not like that crispy ASMR, like just orgasm in your ears that people hear when they listen to other podcasts. Um, But... That said, I did order a little mini microphone for the phone, not like the one that plugs in that you see people use on TikTok. It's like a proper microphone with like a little fuzzy pad to kind of reduce background noise, I guess. I don't know. I'm really excited it comes um, in the mail via Amazon, I think tomorrow, so Hopefully the next episode will be recorded using that. I'll let you guys know and you can let me know if you honestly hear a difference. Um, I listened to the reviews on Amazon and it sounded pretty good, especially for it being like $30. But anyway, I'm really excited because this is the last time hopefully that I have to just record with my headphones on. But I wanted to talk about something that I've noticed when I'm really reflecting on the people that... I've worked with and especially the people that I admire and in some ways want to emulate in terms of their success. Like they run multi-million dollar businesses or even billion dollar companies. And um, this is both in my capacity as a lawyer in the online space and for content creators, course creators, YouTubers, etc. but also with um, clients that I've worked with in Manhattan when I was a lobbyist. Uh, and a lawyer in New York City. So I was really reflecting on the qualities that these people have, the traits they possess, and some of the habits that they had. And I've been, like you guys know, listening to the other episodes, kind of just trying to draw inspiration from other businesses and other industries to re-inspire and myself and like look at my business through a new lens. So I'm going to be sharing with you guys five lessons I've learned from being a lawyer for multi-million dollar businesses. These are five habits that I think, or five traits I would say, that 
all of these multi-millionaires possess. So let's get into it. So number one, even the most authentic personal brands or business owners have a side that they don't show. I know everyone is all about authenticity and saying that they're super transparent and trying to be relatable, especially when they're building their personal brand and their lifestyle brand on something like TikTok or on Instagram. You know, you have people like Maureen Kelly, I think her name was, the tart lady who I sang her praises like a couple of months ago on the podcast, like before all of the controversy really started to unfold with the tart trip. It was like day one of the tart trip when I sang her praises. And then like the next couple of days of that tart trip in Turks and Caicos, I just saw shit hit the fan. So I don't know if I ever like formally retracted singing my praises of her on the podcast, but I do. I think she's like a little bit delusional and like in la la land, but she tries to be relatable, right? We can't deny that she's built a big business. Um, we can't deny that she has some kind of uh, virality factor where people just want to like be her friend or sit at the table with her. Like she has built, she's an excellent marketer, right? So she's, or she's hired people who are excellent marketers. And in that case, she's a good judge of character and good CEO because she's been able to um, hire the right people in some ways, right? Obviously, we know she could use like a better person in the diversity department, <laughs> but <laughs> all that aside, um, she hired a great marketing expert, unless she's the marketing expert herself with these trips and everything like that. So she does have some good qualities, but people love her because she tries to come on. And especially after that scandal, which if you're not aware of a couple months ago, Tarte had like an influencer trip. They did two weeks. They called it season one and season two of Tart Island and Turks and Caicos, where they took a bunch of influencers to Turks and Caicos. They gave them a whole bunch of free shit. They gave their everyone a plus one, and all their plus ones had a bunch of really cool stuff. It looked like they got a lot of merch, not just merch, but like high-quality products, you know, the whole nine. But then it kind of came out that certain people had, like, been invited for both weeks and others only invited for one week and then there was a whole drama about the formula one race how some people were only invited to the practice round of the formula one race and like the common denominator here um, in most of the situations were, were that people of color were the ones that were like given like the shit under the stick like i understand that there's a whole strategy behind influencer events and like who gets invited and blah 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 and it depends on your following and your um you know conversion rates and everything but when there's like a common denominator and all the unfair treatment and this was like after they already had gotten a lot of slack for their Dubai trip where there was a similar issue I didn't really follow the Dubai trip so I don't know but long story short Maureen Kelly was coming on to her TikTok every day like trying to be really approachable doing get readies with me and talking about the tart trip and then talking about all the drama that unfolded and like not you know typical middle-aged white woman like not really understanding like the crux of the issue here and kind of being like I don't know why everyone's mad at me or then being like no I get why everyone's mad at me and like I'm sorry but like I don't know it just kind of seemed you know not as authentic as she had probably wanted it to seem so that is the reason why I'm bringing her up as like an example of category number one, lesson number one. Like even the most authentic personal brands 
authentic CEOs who are running non-personal brands have a side that they don't show. Behind the scenes, she probably experienced a lot of shame, guilt, or fear. At least I would think so. And as a lawyer, I can tell you, I don't know in her case, because I obviously am not her lawyer. I've never had a conversation with her. I don't even own a single Tarte product. So like I have literally no relation to this woman or this company at all. But I've worked with not in similar crises, nothing that had to do with like public... Um, you know, uh, lash back on any of those kinds of issues. Um, I'm not going to go as far as say like discrimination, but like, you know, obviously showing favoritism and showing some kind of like, I wouldn't say like overt discrimination, but like kind of like backhanded discrimination. So I never dealt with a client who had experienced that, but I've seen people who have experienced other public controversies or even controversies who aren't that aren't public and maybe they're private from one business to another and as a lawyer I see it all because in those situations people come to me or their lawyer to talk about the truth of the matter like everything's kept confidential right and they need to tell us everything so that we can advise them properly like a lot of times lawyers are the ones and PR agents are the ones that are like working with this person and like working together sometimes too. Like I've been as a lobbyist, the, the I would say the differentiation between like being a lawyer and being a lobbyist is that a lobbyist, you don't have to be a lawyer, but it's like we were lawyers plus PR agents, right? So we were kind of like drafting op-eds or we were kind of uh, issuing letters or issuing statements or being the spokesperson or um, putting our name in the press on behalf of them so that they wouldn't have to make a comment, um, you know, things like that. But the, the truth is, like, they would come to us and tell us everything wholeheartedly, all of the emotional sides of things, all of the um, facts of the matter as they understood them, and we would kind of act like a sounding board, a PR agent, like a life coach and a lawyer um, because we would be able to sit with all that information and talk through it with them, especially if they can't talk about things publicly. A lot of times people don't talk about things publicly because it might be confidential. There might be pending litigation and they're not allowed to make comments that could be used against them. Um, and because like we would might maybe be in the fact finding stages where we're going through all of the documents, all of the emails, all of the text messages, all of the um, what, WhatsApp messages, whatever else it is, photos, financial documents, everything like that to kind of get to the truth before any further statements are made. Um, and in other cases, it's just because it's too taboo. People don't want to admit, and this is especially true in like the small business and the online entrepreneur space. A lot of people feel like things are too taboo to talk about publicly because no one wants to go on, everyone wants to be authentic until you have to go on Instagram and be like, I fucked up, I scammed someone, or I fucked up, I promised a bunch of shit that I didn't deliver, or I fucked up, I had a bunch of people come to me and try to sue me because they said this. And I've literally seen that. I've had people in my DMs tell me like, I have a bunch of clients who are trying to sue me because of X. 
can you help me? And I was like, um, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to handle litigation at this point in my career, but I can refer you to someone. But that fucking sucks, dude. I'm sorry that we're going through that, you know? And these are people who have larger platforms and there's hundreds of students that have walked away with really positive experiences from them and who've walked away not regretting a single dollar or a single minute that they've invested in them. But it just takes one or it takes a few to make you feel like you're doing something wrong. And maybe you did do something wrong and you have to look at it as an opportunity to learn and act with more integrity and really correct your reputation. I feel like that's what I've been doing. Like I've been trying to become a little bit more um, stingent on myself in terms of timelines and like responsiveness because not only would it allow me to make more money by being able to serve more people quicker, but also like I used to have this view of my business as like nothing because it's contract law because it's preventative like things can be slower and I already know by promising people like four to six week timelines that's way sooner than the four to six month timelines that like old law firms I used to work at used to have in terms of turning over a contract so like I already felt like I was being quick and I already felt like well it's not a court deadline so like you know it's not a real deadline right um but I've been shifting my mindset because like, I want to be that person that people would have no doubt recommending to their friends, right? I want to be the best in the business. I want my clients to feel like the most supported. I want it to be more of like a white glove service. And in order for me to do that, I need to be quicker with my timelines and I need to make more money so that I can hire people to have those white glove services, like hire someone who handles all client communications hire someone and pay them decently enough where they are really responsive and have really great streamlined systems for us to operate and get shit done quickly right so you have to look at things like a learning mistake but like some people are so I don't want to say new in business or maybe they only worked briefly in the corporate space or maybe they don't have any experience at all in traditional corporate America and they take it like too hard. And even if they've maybe worked other jobs before, they take it to heart where they feel like they're so alone. They feel like they're, they made like such a career ending mistake and they don't talk about these issues because they feel like it's just unique to them. And what one of the things I love showing in my series, like, are you a savvy CEO, it used to be called, and like the fucked up shit you wish you can say and like here's what to say and said kind of series and the spooky series that I do and all those kind of big content pushes that I do throughout the year is to share real case studies so that people feel less alone and they're like oh my god I had the same thing happen to me I had someone ask for a refund after I did all the work and bent over backwards for them I had someone ghost me on that I had someone steal everything from me I had someone gaslight me and tell me that I didn't do anything that I promised, even though I know how many hours I worked, right? I had someone threaten me with a lawsuit because they have a husband or like who's a lawyer or some kind of rich deep pockets to just like bully me, right? I've seen people like really crumble 
and hide and crack under the pressure from dealing with some of these situations that they see, whether again, it's like a public PR crisis or a private thing, but, or even just like the internal shame of like what I was experiencing and talking about where it's like, I want to be better with my timelines and I want to be, I want to have like more integrity when it comes to not the quality of work I provide because I know the work product I provide is excellent, but like the service around it and like the the bedside manners, I guess they can call it. Like I want to improve all of that. And I have this like hidden shame, right? If I'm not talking about it, then not only am I not going to get people's perspective on it, but I'm also not going to give other people an opportunity to feel like, oh my God, I'm going through the same thing where I'm just feeling over burdened and I feel like I'm letting people down and it's a shitty feeling and I know I need to scale and I know something needs to change but then maybe you don't have enough money to pay for or invest in xyz system or person or whatever at the moment or you're not sure what avenue to take like it just makes people feel so alone so even the most authentic brands or people that you're viewing or watching on social media or trying to emulate and if they're like a really big you know CEO or something, they have a side that they don't show and it usually involves shame, guilt, or fear. Um, So when you're sitting in those moments of shame, guilt, or fear for whatever you're going through, don't feel alone. Don't feel like there's something wrong with you, even if you literally have people suing you. Um, Yeah, maybe there could be a learning experience there. Maybe there could be a couple of processes changed or maybe your marketing material could be a little bit less you know misleading or maybe like you can have a better contract or something obviously this was before my client used the contract she hired me for but um whenever you're feeling in those moments like really really low in those low vibrational states just remember that even the most successful people have those same feelings they just don't talk about it because it is taboo um, or it's confidential, right? So because it's going through some kind of resolution legally or something like that, or maybe they had to settle and sign an NDA or whatever, right? So that's the first thing I want to start with. The rest, I promise, are more positive. So number two, there's an intangible quality that all successful entrepreneurs and executives possess. Unfortunately, it can't be taught. It's that je ne sais quoi, which is like, that that thing that you can't describe in words it's literally something that you cannot articulate it's just that aura that they exude and even though it can't be taught though and even though it can't be articulated it can be found within yourself you know those people that walk into a room and just command attention you know those people that they just even if they're not commanding attention when they walk in a room Maybe they don't command any attention and they're super quiet and introverted, but then they say one thing and everybody, that's their power because everybody then listens to them when they only say one thing. I'm not that person. I'm not the person that sits there and says nothing and then everyone like stares and like, you know, takes out their pencil and writes down what I said because it's so rare that I say something, right? I know people like that. I've worked with people like that. I love people like that. I'm the person that talks so much that people like don't listen to. And I'm like, no, but I actually finally said something that's worth listening to and you didn't even listen. So I'm that person. (laughs) That's not the quality I possess, right? But I don't know, maybe my little je ne sais quoi that I have is like, I always have like a nice manicure or something. That's something that people comment on a lot. 
<laughs> anyway, it can't be taught. It can be found within yourself. It's a vibe. And usually it's somewhere, regardless of what it is, it's somewhere between like, it hovers between like confidence, arrogance, like ignorance though, because they don't know that they have this thing. And maybe they're so ignorant and naive that they dare to do things that like other people overlooked or took for granted, you know, which I'll get to in my next tip. Maybe it's quick wittedness. Maybe it's their sense of fashion, their confidence, their posture, the way they present themselves, whatever it is, they have that thing. So find that thing within you and don't downplay something like when people compliment you, like even just the other day, I was walking out and about in town and I I knew I like looked super extra. Like I had my bright orange sparkly nails. I put on this like huge necklace with shells that I just got. My br- huge orange sunglasses, my orange dress, my orange purse. Like I just like looked like a walking fucking Willy Wonka Oompa Loompa carrot, but like somewhere it could have been red and received as very tacky or fabulous, right? And I knew I was taking a risk. And I went down to this party kind of thing that was going on in town. And there's no one really here in town, so it was like kind of empty. And the first thing I saw was a couple of like acquaintances that I know in town, these like other really, you know, stylish, cute girls in town. They were all like, I love your necklace. I love your nails, whatever. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like, usually, you know, you, you walk down hoping, or you walk out of your house hoping that like people think you look cool or whatever but then in that moment I wanted to be like oh no like I kind of didn't like that they were all giving me compliments but then I was like you know what I'm gonna say like thank you I was like yeah thanks I just bought this necklace yesterday and like I looked at it in the store and I was like that could either be really tacky or it could be really fucking cool and I'm gonna make it cool and they were like well you do make it cool I'm like yeah And I felt really cool for a minute. But you also had that like embarrassment because I'm like, oh my God, wait, I actually want to shrink down and feel like humble. But I'm like, no, I'm going to own it. I'm going to own that that's my je ne sais quoi and just feel like it's it's something that maybe I can possess more on a day-to-day basis or in my business and have that attitude and like have that effect on people where you walk in and people are like, wow, like, paying attention to the things you want them to pay attention to, right? That was like a really maybe very vain example, but I don't really know what to say. It's one that came to my head. But I just remember that feeling of being like, oh, I hope, like, like feeling really cool when I was leaving the house, and then as I'm walking down, I'm like, oh, my God, what if people, because this is not fucking New York City, you know, like, I'm a New York girl. Like, everyone looks, like, extra in the city. No one even bats an eye when you look really weird or like cool that weird line between cool and weird you know in a city but I'm like here everybody everybody's like you know in one place at one time like there's not that many people here so what if I look fucking weird and the like internal battle that like flips up flops like back and forth between you feeling really confident and then feeling really insecure and then confident again and someone gives you a compliment you're like trying to downplay it it's like no don't do that anymore own it, find what that is within you, within yourself, pay attention to the compliments people give you and double down on them. Don't shy away from them. Don't like act humble because there's other times to act humble. When someone gives you a compliment is not the time to act humble. Okay, so 
Remember when I said that sometimes that je ne sais quoi for people is that, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. There are so many people that speak French in this town too. They're probably all like cringing when they hear me say this. Um, so innovation, here's a third tip. Innovation usually occurs when someone outside of the industry looks at the problem with a new perspective. So for example, you've all heard those founder stories where like, you know, the people who design, let's say, Warby Parker. I remember that's one of the first episodes about like an entrepreneur podcast that I listened to. It was a How I Built This podcast that I listened to like six years ago at this point about the founders of Warby Parker. And it's not like they were op optometrists. They looked at the problem and saying like, okay, hold on. Why does this one company, Luxottica, have a total monopoly over all eyeglass frames? Like, why is that? why eyeglasses are so expensive like what if we created a new kind of company and then they did they came in from outside the industry disrupted it changed it right the book i'm reading about the four seasons the guy is dora sharp who founded the four seasons was not a hotelier he was just some dude who started out working in construction for his immigrant father and then was like wait why are these pillows not comfortable why is there no shampoo, you know, in the showers when people are traveling? Why this, why that? And he, why is everyone building three-star hotels, but no one's building a five-star hotel, right? So he came from outside the industry, totally disrupted it. And then now a lot of things that we take for granted as the norm in the industry uh, when you travel were things that he started, like really comfortable pillows, like robes in the room, like shampoo in the room, amongst a ton of other things, right? Um, okay, so next tip. Every single entrepreneur or executive values their lawyer. I don't care who it is, like any million, multi, anyone with a, with a net worth of uh, over a million dollars values they're legal professional. You know, even if they don't like to pay their lawyer, they're not ever going to be like, I could do it myself or let me use chat GPT. They use a fucking lawyer, whether it's negotiating a deal, whether it's protecting their IP, handling their messy divorce, making sure they get the prenup signed, structuring their assets and trusts and offshore accounts, helping them reduce like taxes, working with accountants too, right? Like it's not just lawyers, it's accountants as any kind of professional who's a professional in that field, right? Even if it's helping them keep some shit confidential, right? Even, you know, it could blow up in their face, like how Donald Trump had his handler, his fixer, quote unquote, Michael Cohen, hand Stormy Daniels, the NDA, like all of that. Like he, he didn't just say like, well, I can handle it myself, even though he probably in that case might've been better off because Michael Cohen was disbarred. But in any event, like they all use specialized lawyers and they don't just like use one lawyer for everything. Like I had someone ask me the other day, what did they ask me? I don't know, something so ridiculous. And I was like, I'm a contract lawyer. I'm not, I'm not that. Yeah, my friend wanted me to sue Shaz Halal. He's probably going to kill me for like even giving this, this idea away. Shaz Halal is like a food chain. I don't know if it's everywhere, but at least it's in New York. It's like halal food. You know, halal food's like chicken, rice. We call it chicken and rice. Um, really fucking good food. But they're a chain. And I guess 
he's found a law where if there's X amount of stores in your chain, you need to put the nutrition facts on your website or something like that. And they didn't have it. So he wanted me to like start this class action suit or whatever. And he's like, it's going to be your big case, the case of a lifetime. I'm like, no, it's like an ambulance chaser case. I'm not going to take down this like immigrant run business because you like eat Shah's halal every day, but it doesn't matter. Like you don't give a fuck. Like you're a fat girl at heart, you know? And he wouldn't mind if I said, he says it about himself all the time. Like he knows that he's like, he's not actually obese, but you know what I mean? Like we, we go and we pig out when we're together. Whatever the fucking nutrition facts are is not going to stop us from eating Shah's halal. So he doesn't have any dietary restrictions. He just wants to fucking cut a check, right? So, so I'm like, no, dude, I'm not that kind of lawyer. Like, you need to go find, if you're really serious about it, you need to find a different lawyer. Like, I'm not doing that. So not, I'm like, this is why you have a broke bitch mentality. Like, you're looking for someone to cut you a check. Put that fucking mental power to your business, like your TikTok doing food reviews. Like, you have so many other talents. You don't need to be suing Shaz Halal because they don't have their fucking nutrition facts on their website, right? It reminds me of, like, the trend a couple of years ago in 2020 when everyone was starting their online business. There was, like, these horrible lawyers. In my view, they're horrible lawyers who... Um, we're starting to sue and issue lawsuits and trying to get money from people because they didn't have like the ADA, like the accessibility thing on their website, like accessibility plugins. And I understand that people with disabled disabilities do need to have accessibility when it comes to things like websites. But there was like a group of lawyers that were taking it they're like ambulance chasers. It's what we say for those like shady lawyers that are just looking to cut a check. And they're the ones that are kind of coming up with the issue, even if no one's actually been harmed. And then they go after they find the issue to try to find someone who it affects just to put their name on it. So they can have what's called in the law standing to sue. It's not like a real person who's like, you know, actually harmed. It's, oh, we found this loophole. Now let's find like a figurehead to say that she was harmed. Anyway, that's what the Shah Zalal case reminded me of. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. But regardless, people who are high net worth individuals, they did not make their money from fucking suing Shah's Halal or using ambulance chasers. They made their money from, you know, savvy investments and negotiations up front. Like the Kardashians, there's a reason why they're all so rich. It's because even though Kris Jenner isn't their lawyer, she's a really good um, manager who was married to a lawyer for many years, and she helps with the negotiation. She's not the one who writes the contract. They obviously have a lawyer who writes the contract, even though Kris Jenner might be helping to negotiate it. Can you imagine if Kris Jenner was like, I'm going to write all the contracts? They would not be where they are at today because there's, they're, not, they're not ever going to be able to articulate their really, really wise and savvy ideas in the same way that's technically required when you write a legal document. There are so many nuances that even someone who's really sophisticated 
um, and smart in other areas, unless you're educated in that area, you're not going to understand like the nuances of why things need to be written a certain way. And a lot of times it's not what is written, it's what's not written that screws you over. So they're not going to like cheap out and be like, I'm going to just get it on chat GPT. No, they're going to use their lawyer. Like you think that Kim did her own divorce with Kanye? No, even lawyers have lawyers. She's going to hire a divorce lawyer with her shit going on with Kanye, you know? So don't ever assume that you can do everything yourself. Don't try to DIY anything like, you know, I know a lot of people DIY their taxes and they're proud of it that they saved a buck, but Millionaires don't DIY their taxes. They don't DIY their contracts, okay? So just know it's, it's fine at a certain level, and then at a certain level, you need to make that next step and invest in yourself. Like, I've been, like, DIYing my taxes in a certain way, and there's a reason why, like, I do not have an ex-outstanding tax strategy, okay? Like, this next year, 2024, is going to be the year that I actually invest in not having a random accounting firm that I know of that like my mom works at do my taxes. Like I'm going to like actually invest in tax strategy. Cause I'm like trying to get to that next level. You know what I mean? So even though it can be scary, even though it's a little bit more expensive, look at it as an investment in your peace of mind. And as something that is just the cost of doing business when you are a multi-millionaire, like all these people are right. Okay. Next thing, never assume you're more sophisticated than anybody else. Never underestimate someone's potential. This is what really successful people I've worked with do. Um, in fact, the opposite's true. Going back to the example from the book about the four seasons that I'm reading, when hiring staff to run the four seasons, the reason why they have that five-star service, they didn't just decide, oh, we're going to be a five-star hotel because we spent $100 million building this property. No. They made a five-star hotel from the quality of the service, and that required them to find the right people and develop a training program that matched five-star service. Like, even before other people could even understand that that's what they wanted, they built it, and they built that level of quality, and then other people were like, oh, wow, thank you for thinking of this like the blow dryers and the shampoo in the bathroom, right? It's not like people were asking for that. They just knew to see it. And the way that they knew to see it was they also, I just clanked my teeth. They hired the right people. So like even the cleaning staff, they're not just going to hire whoever and assume, oh, well, you're just a cleaning person, you know, whatever. No, they're, they're treating the cleaning staff as professionals and experts in that industry. How would you do it? How do you fold this? Like giving them autonomy, some level of autonomy. In fact, like in some cases, the same level of autonomy as a manager, that was something that they talked a lot about in the book where if someone has an issue or a complaint or a question, they can go to the cleaning staff or they can go to the concierge or they can go to whoever they see, the bellboy, whoever, and then have them, instead of um, having to go ask a manager and go through that typical corporate bureaucracy, they're able to act on their own accord within a certain level of leeway to make the request, right? Um, and that elevated them to that five-star-plus level. Same thing, like, even in, you know, 
negotiation or something with a, another type of business, when they're negotiating a deal with a potential partner or an investor, they take their time to understand the other person. Sometimes it takes years of them talking loosely about an idea of a business to create together. The deal is not negotiated and done in one day. They don't underestimate or overestimate people. They take their time to get to know them. If it takes years of you meeting once a year at a dinner and having a conversation until you trust them enough to make a judgment on them and form a contract and a legally binding relationship with them, so be it. But they don't underestimate people. They don't overestimate people. They take their time. They trust them and they, or train them if it's, you know, hiring an employee or something like that. They train them to weed out the people that they can trust. They don't assume someone doesn't have the power to be an asset and they don't assume that someone doesn't have the power to screw them over. That's something I see a lot in small online businesses, people assuming that no one has the power to screw them over. Oh, I don't need contracts, like it's okay, blah, blah, blah. Um, what makes you think that the client who is signing on with you doesn't have a husband who's a lawyer or doesn't have a father who's a lawyer or doesn't have a lot of experience reading contracts from a previous position that they were in where they can, even if you just like use a fucking chat GPT template or something like that, find a nuance and screw you over just to screw you over, right? Or doesn't understand how to read. Oh, it doesn't matter what the contract says. It looks good enough to me because I pulled it from chat GPT. Well, what if like the other person reads it and knows that it's not enforceable, signs it, and then like doesn't hold up their hand to the bargain? Don't assume that you are more sophisticated than someone else. This is something that my legal writing professor in my first semester of law school, who was like a huge mentor in my life, um, she totally like, and I always, always, always throughout my whole life was told, you're such a great writer, you're such a great writer. Essays, hundreds, all the time in English classes, you know, college, high school, elementary fucking school. I was the writer girl. I was the bookworm nerd girl, the writer. No, I got to that legal writing class. And this is what I mean where like you cannot write your own contracts just because you think you know how to write your own contracts because the way that she would redline, she had one of those pens that had all four colors because redlining was not even enough. She had to like use blue and green and then have yellow highlighter and make an asterisk and cross out everything on the whole fucking page and then flip it over and continue her critiques and her explanations and her huge frowny faces. And she's like, what do you want a judge to do? Look it up, question mark, frowny face. She would just X out whole pages, teach me how to write things so that I wasn't writing them grammatically incorrect or in a grammatically vague way where it's like someone reads it and they're like, what the fuck are you trying to say? Because if you don't have very clear, proper grammar, your intention is not going to get through. Like you, It's a very technical writing. So this lady, she was a huge mentor in my life because she would like tear me down and like I started out from getting uh she fucking humbled me real quick okay first of all I thought I knew it all she was like no you and everyone who was in my section we all had scholarships I had a full scholarship we all had fucking scholarships in my section and they pin you against each other um because it's a curve and you're all pinned against each other and if you don't get above a b plus 
guess what? You lose your scholarship. So we were all like, we had a lot on the line. Okay. Like I had a quarter of a million dollars on the line, obviously. So I was like trying my fucking hardest. This is how me and my best friend, Nicole from law school met. If you listen to the podcast, you know of her. I talk about her all the time, worked with her at the lobbying firm because she was the only person we all got like, I remember there was our first legal writing assignment. We all got like, I don't know. I got like a 70 something, like a 79. I was like, what? I've never seen a seven in front of any grade in my life. Like I'm that nerd, you know, I'm that bitch. I was like a 79. Oh my God. We all got horrible grades. She's like, only one person got above, you know, an, an 80 and it was, a 98, like a near perfect score. And we were all like, who the fuck is that? You know, we were all like gunning to get the top grade in the class. And it was Nicole because she knew how to hack the system. And she like, obviously is an amazing writer, an amazing researcher, but she also like, like found the assignment somehow and like found out like she, I don't know. She, she just did her like little research investigation thing that she's, paid a lot of money to do now and she's just a boss but anyway this teacher professor campagna she also worked for sidley austin which is a huge huge law firm it's like very very prestigious prestigious law firm in chicago she speaks like seven languages fluently she's like a language pro she was a tax lawyer but one that does writing not the numbers which is Again, another very prestigious thing to do. She worked with the Obamas at their law firm. Like when the Obamas were just Michelle and Barack, like lawyers in Chicago, like she worked with them, okay? And she would say to us, never assume you're more sophisticated than your client because we all had these hotshot fucking big heads. We're like, we are lawyers. We're going to be lawyers. We have scholarships. Like we've always got hundreds in class. We always like... We love books. We are smart. Like my, everyone told me I should be a lawyer because like, I'm just so good at arguing. I'm so persuasive. I'm such a good writer. I've never gotten like below a 95 on a test ever. We, everybody in law school is like that. Okay. So like, you're not fucking special. You're going to be humbled real quick. And this fucking lady, she humbled us. And she would always say, never assume you're more sophisticated than your client. And it really stuck with me because she said, she's like, in her like weird little accent and her weird dry humor she'd be like he's like she's like even the smartest people steve jobs as a lawyer you think their lawyer acts like they know it all when they talk to steve jobs no they shut up and they listen to steve jobs when he's talking to them like don't ever assume that you're more sophisticated than the person on the other side of the table you always have something that you can listen to and learn from them. Like just because someone is hiring you or just because you're hiring someone doesn't mean that like, like you know everything and like they don't know anything, you know, just because someone's asking you questions or needs you doesn't mean that you are higher up on some kind of ladder than them, right? So that stuck with me because I always tell my clients when I'm working with them, like, you know your business better than me. It's your job to tell me what you need and I translate it into a legal document. Of course, there's some situations where I know a little bit more because I have seen not only your business, but all of my clients' businesses who have gone through similar things and they've turned out different ways you know it's kind of like living in a parallel universe like 
you live in your timeline, but I see like the big picture. Like I see all the alternative timelines because of how everybody else is coming to me with different things. We can work together and that's the asset that we have, right? Like you tell me what you need in the contract. You tell me the deal you might have negotiated, Chris Jenner, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, whoever the fuck you are. But I write it into the contract and I translate it for you into something that's going to actually reflect what you want, your intention, and something that's going to hold up legally. And so that's something that I carried with me. And I remember when I worked in New York, I worked with a billionaire. And he he's not like a famous billionaire. Like, you know, if you Googled him, obviously you'd find him. But he's kind of one of like the random billionaires. He's not like Bill Gates or something, right? But still, he was a billionaire and he owned all of this real estate in Manhattan and he owned all these businesses. And I remember he like needed me for, or he needed my firm for something. He didn't need me. I was just the person tasked with it. And sitting there, like I won a case for them against the New York City government, but it wasn't like a court case. It was like a negotiation. I won quote-unquote, this negotiation for them. But it's not because it was my idea. I sat at that meeting and like didn't say anything except ask questions and take notes and then write a letter to the guy, set up meetings, facilitated the meetings, and just like sat there and let them talk. But it was still like a team effort kind of thing. And that was the first time I saw it play out. Like, okay, yeah, never assume you're more sophisticated than your, than your client. But at the same time, I needed him as much as he needed me. And that's how we were able to get it done. The reason why I was put on the case instead of the firm partner was because the firm partner, you know, he's in his 50s. And even like this other kid that was like a lawyer who's probably like a couple years younger than me or a year younger than me, they're just, they were just like a little bit like arrogant and like talked a little too much and like, oh, I know what to do or I could do this or I could look at this or da 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 da. And they weren't getting anywhere. They weren't getting anywhere with the case. They weren't getting anywhere in terms of negotiation. Nobody wanted to even set up a meeting with them. Like they didn't get anywhere. So that's why they put me on because they're like, Nina, she's not going to fucking be like, you know, oh, I can definitely do this. Like show up with that air of like almost arrogance or not even arrogance, but like, just taking it for granted that they've been doing it for so long or they think they know everything so well or they're so excited at the opportunity that they think they need to prove something or show off or talk about their value instead of delivering. And that's where it really proved to me, like, you don't ever assume you're more sophisticated than anyone. You don't underestimate someone um, and you work together. And same is true as like the examples I was telling you before. Don't ever assume that you're more sophisticated than someone or that they can't screw you over because I've definitely seen people come out of the woodworks and screw people over and they're like, I didn't even know this person had money. And then now all of a sudden they have like the biggest law firm in Manhattan asking me for $500,000 for infringing on their trademark. What the fuck? And I'm like, yeah, don't ever assume that just because you don't have a lawyer that other people don't have a lawyer that is going to go after you. So those are the five tips. I know I kind of went off on a few tangents, but hopefully you guys like hearing a little bit about my random, I don't know, side stories. Uh, 
I like to talk about law school and my job at the lobbying firm sometimes because I feel like, I don't know, it's easy to just see what you see on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Be like, this bitch is always in a bikini and her hair is never brushed. But believe it or not, like I did used to have a little bit of like a traditional lifestyle. So sometimes I like to reminisce. But thanks for tuning in in this episode. It would mean so much to you, to me, if you could leave a review and a rating. Um, I don't ever really like remember to ask for them and I never really like tell people to do it. So if you could, it would mean a lot to me. Um, It would help me get this podcast out to more people and build the community a little bit more. And if you do take the time to leave a rating or review, just send a screenshot and you can DM it to me on Instagram or TikTok at Nina the Lawyer. And I'll give you a little special bonus. I'll give you a free uh, website privacy policy and terms and conditions template. So that's something that you can use on your website for your free content that you put out. And it's something that is valued in my shop at over $200. So not that I'm bribing you because you could leave a review that's like one star and be like, fuck this girl and still get the contract. But, you know, it it just has to be an honest review. I don't really care what it says. Um, It would be nice if it was a nice review, though. If you made it this far, I would think it would be nice. Thank you guys for tuning in and thank you for leaving a rating and review in advance and I'll see you in the next one.